Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Good morning, everyone. Good to be together on a dive into the Word of God. We're, in a, we're, we're living in an amazing season right now. And all around the world, not just Sydney, not just Australia, but all around the world, the nations have been shaken. And whichever way you want to look at it, the reality is whatever foundation you're built on is definitely being shaken in this season. And I think it's just the beginning. So we just got to get comfortable with that. Not comfortable in the wrong sense of the word, but comfortable in, 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 when it comes to the way God views it, the way he wants us to view it. Um, I want to speak on Philippians. We're going to continue from last week. But I want to speak about um, your future in God is so much better than your past. Your future. There's a future in God for every single one of us. And it's much, much better than your past. But you've got to go after it. You have to pursue it. You have to pay a price for it. And we're going to talk about what, it, what, does that, what do I mean by better than the past? Um, we're, we're talking about kingdom influence. We're talking about kingdom impact. And we're talking about kingdom fruitfulness okay not your future is better than your past when it comes to um, uh, the way the world views success I'm not talking about the way the world views success or the way the world um, it gives us a definition of what is successful and prosperous I'm not talking about that I'm talking about kingdom influence and so when you think about that and you think about your future in God following God's will for your life is more impactful for the kingdom is more fruitful than whatever you've ever done in the past I do believe that. I believe God has an amazing future for every single one of us, but it won't come automatically. It won't come by itself. It won't even come without a price. I know Jesus paid the price, ultimate price for our salvation, but we still pay a price to walk in the will of God. And the reality is we're living in a Western world. I don't know how to, I really want to deliver this message correctly. So Father, thank you that you're helping me. You, I walk in your humility. I empty myself. I've got nothing to give except your word. And Lord, we've got nothing to receive except your word, the way you see these things. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. You know, we, we live in a Western world. You know that. Whenever you shop, it's so beautiful. It's so comfortable. Every time you go to a restaurant or a cafe, it's so beautiful. Your home's probably so beautiful, so comfortable. Come to church, cushioned seats, nice atmosphere. It's got the right lighting. It's got the beautiful, it's even got heating. You know, we've got nice music. We can get nulled to sleep thinking that's kingdom that's christianity that's church that's that's my that's the total of god is after my comfort god's more after the will of god for your life than the comfort for you so so when you go into paul i want us to read the word of god not with lenses of this western world but lenses of kingdom all right so if you pick it up from let's pick it up from my favorite um one of my favorite subjects, and we're going to pick it up from verse 9, um, simply because Paul's bringing an amazing argument. He's talking about, if I look to myself, I was circumcised the eighth day, I was the stock of Israel, I was the tribe of Benjamin, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, I was, according to the law, I was a Pharisee. He was saying, if I look to myself, um, you know, it, it, would, it would make me feel like I've got something to boast about. But in reality, he knows all that when it comes to Jesus, comes to the kingdom, all those things that the people think, well, I've got all this to my name, means absolutely nothing. It's rubbish. It's useless. And I don't rely on it. 
actually says, I have no confidence in the flesh. So you and I should have no confidence in what we've ever done in the past when it comes to the works of the flesh or the good works, okay? No matter what you've done, if you think I'm a good person, I'm such a good person, I go to church every week, I've given money to the poor. If you start relying on those things, you think God's favoring you because of the things you've done. I've learned one thing about God. God doesn't favor a man or a woman. Oh, that sounds a bit controversial because it is controversial. God favors his word. So if you're connected to his word, obey his word, live his word, are united with his word, actually his word is abiding in you, then he favors you. He doesn't automatically favor you. Because some people, I'm telling you the truth here, not just preaching. It's a joke. Okay, I'm telling you the truth. There are people that have been walking with the Lord for 30, 40, 50 years. They start relying on what they've done for God. Because they've done so many stuff for him, like preaching, they preach regularly, and they automatically think God has to favor them, and their lifestyle now, their morality starts to go down the drain. Thinking, well, God will automatically bless me because of what I've done. No. He favors his word. If you're not on his word, living in his word and obeying his word, he doesn't favor you. That's how holy God is, no matter what you've done for him. I've seen my close friends have fallen away in the ministry. Pastors of the church preaching the gospel and then abuse their authority, responsibility and all those things and they've fallen into sin and everything's stripped away. Well, how come God doesn't um, favor that man? Because he favors his word. The man got off the word. God's so holy, he favors his word, not the man. And the man got his eyes off God, fell into sin, gross sin, lost his ministry and ended up dying six months later. Had a heart attack, gone. It's serious, isn't it? So I want us to realize, okay, God is holy. God is loving. God is gracious. He's faithful to his word. When we're united to his word, he's faithful to us. He's faithful to people when we're connected to his word. Okay. So that's why Paul's saying, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. So that's why it's beautiful to no longer have confidence in the flesh, to have confidence in your own works, because it's not found in us. We are found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the Lord, but that which is through faith in Christ, trust in Christ, confidence in Christ, what He did for you on the cross, the righteousness which is from God, this is God's righteousness, is imputed to you by faith because you put your faith in Christ. Can you see this gift? Can you see this transaction? Can you see that this is a great exchange? It's done by faith and it's not on your good merit. It's when you put your faith in Christ. And that's what changes a person. That's what makes you want to serve God because he gave it to you for free. It's a gift. This righteousness has been given to us and clothes us through his love and grace and mercy so that I may know him. So I believe righteousness is the key to know him. The more you know your righteousness, there's a, there's a righteousness to know and that is our legal standing in our righteousness. You can't get better than the legal standing that God's given you. Right, that, that's complete, that's perfect, he did it, it's his plan, his redemption, it's a legal redemption. In the New Testament, it's a legal document, and so whenever you read anything that's past tense, we have been redeemed, past tense, we have been forgiven, we've been washed by the blood of Jesus, it says have been, we were washed. Everything that says that, our conscience have been cleared by the blood of Jesus, everything that's past tense means it's been done at the cross that you have been raised with Christ in heavenly places. That's past tense. 
So your position is at the right hand of the Father. Do you understand that? Now we understand the legal standing. Now I've got to walk in my righteousness. All right. So because of our gift, it gives us access to know Him. And it says, and the power, and to know Him, and that's intimacy with Him, getting to know Him as, your, as a person, to really intimately know Him, and the power of His resurrection. This is powerful because God wants us to know his, the power of His resurrection. What God did in raising Jesus from the dead, God did in raising you from the dead. We have to understand the power of that resurrection. Now, when you read Ephesians, we won't get time to go in it, but in chapter 1, it actually says that God's mighty power, mighty power raised Jesus from the dead and raised Him from the dead and raised Him far above all principalities, all powers and all might and all dominion. It was God's mighty right hand that raised Jesus from the dead. Now, Jesus being raised from the dead wasn't like Lazarus that was raised from the dead. When, when, when Jesus spoke to Lazarus, come forth, he raised from the dead, didn't he? But then he died again later on. Jesus defeated sin, death, and judgment for all of humanity when he raised from the dead. All the demons in hell wanted him to stay dead. All the powers of darkness was trying to hold God back from raising him from the dead, but couldn't. God just lifted his probably twitchy little finger, just trying to show us the power of God. He just, and the demons, the darkness, all, all of hell couldn't keep Jesus dead. And God's mighty power raised him from the dead and sat him far above all principalities, powers, might, dominion, every name that can be named, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. The name of Jesus is far above every disease, every, every cancer, every known terminal disease known to man, any name. Principalities, any they're talking about demon powers as well. Jesus is far above all that. But Ephesians teaches really clearly. And you who were dead in your sins, he made alive with Christ. When you read chapter two, does not does not disconnect it to chapter one. Chapter two was put there by for us to read, for us to make studies, for us to go, okay, go to chapter two, verse one. But when Paul wrote it, it was all one letter. And he continued the thought, the same way that God raised Jesus from the dead, set him up far above all principalities, is the same way he raised you, you from the dead and sat you far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion. In Christ, we're seated above all disease. In Christ, we're seated. And that's the power of the resurrection. That's getting to know God. I want to know the reality of this power that's available to us. If I don't know it, I can't walk in it. True. If I don't have a clue about it, if I think I'm a hopeless worm, I'm so no good... I'm just a poor sinner. I'm unworthy. People used to think this in the church. I'm just so hopeless and I'm unworthy. Oh God, look upon me, a sinner. And if we believe that, you'll stay there. But if you believe you're a son of the living God, a daughter of the most high God, daughter of the King, united with Christ, joint heirs with Christ. Doesn't the Bible say that? Joint heirs with Christ. Heirs of Almighty God. We inherit what God has. And we've been raised from the dead. What does that mean? Our spiritual death. We were grossed in our sin. And we were, the Bible says we were without hope, without God in this world. Without a covenant. It's in Ephesians. Without a covenant, without hope, without God. That's hopeless. Useless without God. But God raised us up from this realm of death and gave us uh, uh, and united us with the resurrection power. Now I don't, I have to, I, I, I'm learning how to walk in that resurrection power. 
You've got to believe, I've got this resurrection power living in me. Romans 8 says that it, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead gives life to our mortal body. It's giving life to us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside my body giving life to me. Wow, I've got to watch my confession. I don't want to speak against that. If it's the same power that's raised Jesus from the dead, is in my mortal body, giving life to my mortal body. I believe it. Ask my family. They know I believe it because I don't, if I, if I slip up and speak something negative, I'll catch myself. Or they'll tell me I, I said something negative. But I, gotta, I watch. That's why I'm a 52-year-old young man. I am. I really, every time I say that, everyone laughs. And I actually, it frames young. Every time I say it, because I, I, I can say old and uh, old, or I can say young. You can laugh, but I'm going to keep believing. All right, I'm going to really, I really believe. I believe. It takes faith to believe. You have to exercise your faith, and that's the same way. When I first became a Christian, um, if people said, "Got any money?" Oh, I don't have any money. I had no money at all to my name. I have no money on me, but my father has a lot of money. That's why I said no money on me. In other words, my father has a lot of money in his account. Not my physical father, my heavenly father. I was learning to not say, I've got nothing. I'm... Same with when you don't, have, you don't know what to do in a situation. You don't say, I don't know what to do. I'm hopeless. I'm stupid. I don't know what to do. I say, Father, I, I lean on your wisdom. In the natural, I don't know what to do, but Lord, you know. Show me what to do. So I'm leaning in for his wisdom to come. We, we, we're tapping in with faith to this divine resurrection life. Okay? It's vital. This resurrection life, we're all learning. I'm learning. I'm still learning. We've seen people get healed, but I've seen a lot of people not get healed as well. But we've seen a lot of people get healed, but we're gonna, well, I want to see more and more all the time. And when I say about that your future is greater than your past, that's what I'm talking about. We're going to see more people get healed. We're going to see more power, more authority, more resurrection life flowing out of us. More of this. Okay? It's connected to this. The next phrase is, I, I, I want to know him. I want to know the, res, the power of his resurrection. I want to also know the fellowship of his suffering. The word fellowship is kononia. It's the word we, it's, it's partnership. It's communion. It's to be made one with his suffering. Now, this is the part most people don't ever preach on. But I believe, I really believe, the more I think about it, to be connected to the power of his resurrection, to the same degree, you will also fellowship with his sufferings you can't have one without the other if you're really walking in power you will walk in the kononia fellowship of his suffering now last week i sort of quickly gave a definition of what the suffering is it's not sickness put upon us when you, if you have sickness it's not oh god put this sickness no god never put sickness on you god's got no sickness in heaven to put on you so we know it's not that. It's not, God cannot be tempted with evil, James says. So therefore, he doesn't tempt you with evil. So it's not being tempted with evil either. So it's not the suffering. But I think of Paul. Paul's a great example because Paul was a follower of Jesus. He wasn't Jesus. But Paul walked in resurrection power. And you think about the life that he lived. So when, when you're coming up against darkness with power, you will get persecuted. You'll get attacked. You'll get ridiculed. We get attacked in, this, in the Western world. We get defamed or laughed upon or ridiculed at work. Ah, oh, you're a Christian. Ha, ha. Oh, you're one of those. You know, whatever. That's a little bit. But I, I, I believe the more you walk in power, the more you walk in power of resurrection, the more we will suffer for him. When I think of suffering, I picture Jesus when the, your will clashes with the will of the Father. You lay down your will, that's a part of suffering. Anytime you lay down your will, you uh, saying yes to his true 
So that's why, like, even now, to some degree, we all laid down our will because our flesh might have liked to stay in bed this morning. It's cold. It's comfortable. I'll go, you know, I'll go next week. Tempted for that. But you know what? It's, you lay down your flesh. No, you don't say yes to that. Even, like I said, I mean, right now, some of us have been away for four months. And so it's like, you know what, I'll just weather the, the winter. I'll just come back when spring comes. And, you know, like, it's just so nice. I don't have to get my kids ready. It's so easy to watch online. It's comfortable under my blankets. The kids come inside. don't have to get them ready. Just had break, yeah, breakfast downstairs. Beautiful. And it could be easily leaned towards what's comfortable, what's comfortable, what's comfortable. And we no longer sacrifice. We no longer pay a price for our love for him. And that's what I'm trying to talk about. When Jesus clashed his will with the Father, he said, not my will, but your will will be done. And that was torture. That was being whipped 39 lashes. That was being bashed. That was his beard ripped. That was a crown of thorns going on him. That's him dying on the cross. But that him, that worse than all that physical pain, he became sin. That was, his, that was him saying, we fellowship with the suffering. Now, we, we don't, again, we, we, please don't filter the word through the Western mindset when I say that. Because there's been countries right now, just recent history, and probably still happening in some countries, where some, there's the devil. So our enemy is so hostile to us that if he could, he would chop your head off in front of your family. I'm not trying to scare you, but that's what's happened in the world, true? That's how hostile our enemy is. So it, what I'm trying to say, the world is going to get darker God's kingdom is going to get brighter. So I do believe with all my heart that the future is better than the past. So when I think of our church, I think of five, six, seven years ago. We're in Mortlake, if you remember those days. God was doing great things in those days. But we are so much in a better, impacting way. Not just better because it's, oh, everything's so much uh, in the natural better. It's we're, we're more fruitful. We're more impactful why because our faith grows our love for him grows our love for each other grows our faith grows our joy grows our peace grows the presence of God grows um, wisdom grows in us therefore the future what God has ahead of us is going to be far greater for his kingdom than the past does that make sense but what happens if something happens (laughs) to the governments of the world or something you know I mean in California right now sounds like they passed a law because of coronavirus and it's pretty bad there that you get a church but you can't worship can't sing now, there's got to be a line as a church we've got we got to draw a line where do you draw the line where we no longer can obey the government if the if the government says okay we can't convert anybody you can't preach just keep everybody in their own religions it's politically correct not to preach don't try to convert to anyone so there in some countries that's a law you can't convert anybody so we've got the freedom to obey God rather than man. Does that make sense? What happens then? Some of us be thrown in jail. Your future is better than your past. Because you can go to jail like Paul did and wrote 14 letters of the New Testament. You can go to jail and write Philippians and say, rejoice. I don't know how you do that. But I thought if I ever went to jail, it's easy to preach about it. It really is. But if you go to jail, you lost your freedom. You can't see your wife, can't see your children. Now you're in jail for your faith and you write Rejoice in the Lord always. And these days you probably have a mobile in jail. I'm sure it's so nice in the Western jail. I'm not online, so I'm really having fun this morning. Um, but, but you probably just do blogs and preaching, and you can preach the Word. But to say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. We haven't even got to the Scripture, but we've got to read it. Because I want to get to this part. that, that um, We're talking about the fellowship of His suffering and what that means. 
to the point where we're being conformed to his death. The word conform means the similitude, to, be, to, to, be, to, be, to even get to the place where you simulate his death. Remember, walking in his resurrection power means you're dying to flesh. You're dying to the lust of this world, the pride of this world. You're dying to everything that this world can offer you. So you constantly are crucified with flesh. The crucified life brings a resurrection life. The moment you and I no longer sacrifice, no, no longer pay a price, everything's comfortable for me, uh, it's great. It's been tuned online. I'll stay home. Now, please hear what I'm saying. Fantastic. Our online service is to reach out, and if you do have an event or you have to work and you can't get away, it's this one-off that you're able to watch. Fantastic. But it's not for you to stay home. Obviously not. So, what am I getting to? We're getting to the, the being conformed to his death, to, simu- to, to simulate his death. To get to the point that we live so dead to this world, that we're living in resurrection life. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. It's talking about if I can attain to this life of this resurrection from the realm of death. The Passion Translation puts it that way. Walking in this resurrection life and, 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 and that is away from the realm of death. Not that I have already attained all this or am already perfected or completed. Paul's saying, I'm striving, I'm, 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 I'm going after this resurrection life, to know him and the power of his, resur- his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, to, to simulate his death, not that I've attained it. So he knows even in his state that he was doing great things. I mean, the, the guy's preaching on a second or third story place. Someone's leaning on the window, falls asleep, falls, falls out of the building and dies. They're all freaked out. The guy's dead. They know when someone's dead. He goes down, down there. The Bible says Paul hugs him. says, it's okay. His life is in him. doesn't say he prayed a prayer. The anointing, the power, the presence on him resurrects him from the dead. And, the guy, and everyone's fully re- rejoicing and encouraged because he just raised someone from the dead. That's who we're, we're learning from his words. We, this Paul, who did great things for God, wrote this, and we're learning from it. And it says, um, not that I have already attained all this or I'm already perfected, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Now, I read that and I think, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to lay hold of the, for that, sorry, I'm trying to lay hold of that for which, that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. What's for that for which? It sounds funny English. But it's almost like the same thing that motivated Christ to take a hold of me. I'm trying to get that. I'm trying to find out how the love of God motivated Christ to go after me. What was in Christ when he was going after humanity? Pure love. He was in love, passionate love for his creation. I think Paul's trying to say that purpose that motivated him, I'm going for that. And he goes, I haven't arrived. If you think you've arrived, you stop motivated. You don't have motivation anymore. If you think, I've got this, I've got Christianity, I know Christianity, I've got all the answers. I mean, that's pride, eh? to think you've got it all. Now, we've got foundation, we've got, the, we've got the truth when it comes to salvation, 100%, but to know Him, to know God, Father, whew, this is the exciting part. He goes, brothers and sisters, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I don't consider myself, it's like taking an inventory in your mind, I have not apprehended. I've drunk a glass of water and there's a whole ocean full out there. Don't be satisfied with one glass of water. 
maybe over the last, if you're a Christian for 30 years, you've sat, you sipped some water from that ocean, just a few glasses. And it's a whole ocean full. And we get satisfied with uh, just a bit more. You can drink as much as you want. That to me is a picture that don't feel I'm content. I'm satisfied. I've arrived. I've attained. The moment you think you've attained, if Paul, if anyone could have thought they've attained, Paul did some great things. This is near the end of his life, by the way. They say he wrote this book, this letter to the Philippians, when he was in Rome, jail. He would have been anywhere between, I'm guessing, because I can't find anywhere to say, but I know he's near the end of his life, and his ministry must have been at least 30, 40 years. So if he started at 30, he's like 70, 80, who knows how old, but he's near the end of his life. Could be 70, 80, 90, I don't know. But at the end of his life, he still says, I haven't apprehended, I haven't arrived. At that point in Rome, I know he writes, I want to go to Spain. He's a, he's a man on a mission. He's still got focus. He's still got purpose. I've got to reach the world. I personally believe, when we get to heaven, you can ask Paul this. I personally believe he was going for Caesar. I believe he was going for the top guy on the planet. I think he was trying to get the king converted. Because he had a choice to be judged and get free. He goes, no, no, no. You've appealed to Caesar. I'm going to, he goes, you've appealed to Caesar. I've sent you to Caesar. He could have got out. He goes, I'm going to Caesar. He felt the will of God for him was Caesar. I'm going to get to him. He converted a lot of his people in the palace. The Bible says that, but it doesn't seem like King, well, that Caesar didn't get converted because Nero eventually got him beheaded. But here, when he says this, he says, I do not count myself apprehended, but one thing, one thing I do, just one thing. Keep your life simple. One thing. Do you want to know that one thing he does? In the, in the translation, when you look it up in the Greek, it says, the only thing. The only thing I do, just this one thing I do, I, I, all this complicated life that we live, just one thing. He goes, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And in the context of those things that are ahead, in the context of God and His kingdom, are better in impact, in influence and fruitfulness for the kingdom than the past. Yes, we'll suffer. Yes, there'll be hardships. I mean, what happens if we can't meet ever again? And the church has to go underground. We'll be suffering. And we get persecuted. And if you preach this gospel, we go to jail. Like, I'm talking about that, but we'll still be more fruitful in the kingdom. I believe that with all my heart. In God, though, if we seek after God and we seek after Him, power of His resurrection, the conia of His sufferings, the fellowship of His suffering, to actually know Him, walk with Him, and no matter where you go, you go to jail, the word will not be chained. Because we got the New Testament while he was in jail. He didn't get to Spain physically. The Word got to Spain through the Bible. You can't chain the Word of God. So please hear what the Word is saying. I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I just want to encourage you because when you're, when you're my age, 52 years young, it's more tempting to settle down. I'm only 52 years young, very young. So imagine when I'm 60, imagine when I'm 70. It's easy to think, well, I've done some things. I've accomplished some things. You know, I've read, I, I can settle down. Let the next generation come up. So he said, come on, guys. Some of you, Tony, a bit older, a few other guys that are a bit older, Warwick, a few other guys. It's a bit more tempting, Joe. A bit more tempting to think, well, I've run my race. I've raised some children. I've, I've, I've paid off homes. I've, I've, you know, I've, I've impacted. I've preached the gospel. Okay, now. No, Paul didn't have that attitude. Even with the great things that he did, he forgot those things. So it's not just the bad things. We you know, forget those. You know, some, of us, some of us stay in our past and it's all the bad things. 
So if you live in the past, if you think about the past all the time, you can't, you'll end up reproducing the past if you're always back there in your mind. If you're always thinking about, I should have done this, I could have done that. That guy that backstabbed me, how dare he do that? I don't believe he did that. Why did he do that? If you're always thinking about the past, you will reproduce the future with the same seeds of the past because you're just always there. So when, the, when Paul says, I forget the past, I think even those that backstabbed you, betrayed you, uh, hurt you, let you down, the things that disappointed, the things that you failed in, you let it go and you get healed. I don't think it's just if I got hurt, betrayed and everything, if I didn't deal with that properly, I could easily go, that's it, I'm not going to trust again. I'm not going to let people into my inner circle. I'm not going to let people, I'm not going to give my heart away anymore. I'm just going to protect my little self and I will not take risks anymore. Now that's not forgetting the past, is it? I'm actually remembering the past because I never got healed. I need to get healed of that, let go of the past. The bad and the good and the ugly. Everything of the past, even the successes. There's an element, forget it. Paul had great success. I mean, he shook the world upside down with his gospel. Planted churches all over the place. Raised the dead, healed the sick, opened up blind eyes. He did so many great things. Yet he goes, I forget the past. Or else you can get, you can get comfortable with, I've, I've, I've changed some things. I'm going to relax. I'm going to settle down. Paul had his attitude that I, f- I, I forget those things that are behind. I reach. The word reach is stretching yourself forward to what's ahead. Now, if I believe, this is the key. If you really, 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 really believe your future is better than your past when it comes to impact, influence, and fruitfulness for the kingdom, you'll pay any price for that. Because I don't know about you, we should be living for him, for his kingdom, for his fruitfulness. True? So then we're, not, we're willing to pay any price. We're willing to, to be sacrifice. We're willing to continue to sacrifice. There's been times in my walk and I think, God, I don't feel like I sacrifice anymore like I used to. We've got to make sure we continue to sacrifice. We spend time with God. We, we, we fast when God tells us to fast. We turn off the TV when God tells us to turn off the TV. We, we stop the games if that's, the, that's what's taking you away from God. Pay the price. Sacrifice because your future is far greater in impact, in influence, and in, fruit, in fruitfulness. Yes, it'll come with suffering. It will come with persecution. I'm telling you that. 100% guaranteed because Jesus told us. But don't let it frighten you. Don't let it, oh no, we're going to be persecuted. This is the last days. Let's get excited. God chose you. God chose me to live in these last days. Or else you would have been born in another era, another time. That's in the book of Acts as well. He chose when the people would be born in that generation. So... Look at, look at this. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press towards the goal. That word goal is scopo. It speaks of something concealed, something hidden. So this goal is, because it's in the future, we don't really know that goal, but we're pressing towards it. This mark, this goal, we're trying to hit a target. It's the will of God. And we're going after it. And it's the high, would, the upward call basically means the, the God's divine invitation. God Himself has divinely invited you to this upward call. And that's what we're after. That's what our focus has to be. And therefore, we don't know what that looks I reckon when Paul wrote this, his upward call, him forgetting the past and going forward was this. Let's say it's close to this, right? I'm going to die well. I'm going to offer my life well. 
I'm going to do it with a great attitude. I'm going to do it with worthy is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. He deserves His praise. Do you know the, the Moravians, they loved Jesus so much. They, they, they were mission filled. They wanted to reach everybody. These guys, there was a couple of them, uh, wanted to reach the slaves that were in West Indies and they couldn't get to that area. So they thought to themselves, we'll sell ourselves as slaves to witness to them. That's how much the will of God was for them. That was their upward call. Kononia with suffering, fellowship with suffering, because they're so in love with Jesus, they wanted to reach people. This is what they said. Allegedly, this is what happened. When they were told that they would not be allowed to do such a thing, Dober and Nichman sold themselves to a slave owner and boarded a ship bound to the West Indies. As the ship pulled away from the docks, it is said that they called out to their loved ones on shore, their loved ones. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. They cried out. They were willing to be sold as slaves. Apparently, they went to court, tried to get sold as slaves, and they weren't allowed to because they were white men. But they still somehow managed, the Moravians somehow got there and started working in those islands. And, and before the missionaries even got there, 13,000 of them were baptized. But the fact that you're just willing to sacrifice, what are we willing to sacrifice for the will of God? Knowing it's all about eternity, it's heaven and hell. Jesus, the Lamb of God, He's worthy to receive the reward of His suffering. So your future, I'm telling you, is better than your past. And actually, Paul goes on to say in verse 15, Therefore let us, therefore let us, as many as are mature, if you consider yourself mature, he says, have this mind, have this mindset. What mindset? Forget the past and press on to the future because it's better, greater, more influenced, more influential than your past. It says, and if anyone thinks otherwise than this, if you don't believe this, you don't, you're not motivated, this is not what your motivation is, God will reveal this even to you. Then he says, nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. What rule? Forget the past, go for the future. And he says, brothers and sisters, join in following my example and note those so, who so walk as you have us for a pattern. In other words, follow me as an example. Anyone else that's following me, follow them. If they're following me with my example, follow them. Example is really, really important. Paul should live this. So I was using him as an example. What does it look like to fellowship with his suffering? Whatever it takes for the will of God. We've got, to, we've got to be prepared for these last days. It's going to get serious in a sense. I don't know how. It could take another two years. It could take another five years before this. It could take 10 years. It could take 30. But you know what? We need to be ready and prepared. It could be next month. Book of Revelations. Some people don't believe it, but it's in the Bible. There's a number of judgments and wraths of God where it says a mountain all ablaze with fire fell from the sky. What's that? A meteorite. Others actually tells you there was um, rocks or um, like a, they call it brimstone falling from the heavens. And it's the weight of each stone that was on fire. The weight of each stone was a hundred pounds. Specific detail of what it was going to do. That's in the Bible. And, you know, right now, NASA sees things out there. They go, oh, there's things that come really, really close and just miss the earth. 
these things and if it does hit it would do great devastation there's so many stuff out there and sometimes they go there's another one that's coming really close in nine years time all this crazy stuff that they are aware of it just takes when the, the time's up God's on God's agenda God's clock because he wrote it he said it's going to happen but it shouldn't move us it's so easy to preach a message that's going to tickle your ears and make you feel really great and encouraged. But please hear our heart. Hear God's heart. We don't live for this world. We live for the one to come. We live for the kingdom. We're, we're, we're waiting. Every single thing you do. I, I, you know that Moravians that I spoke about? The fact that they were willing. Let's say some of them did sell themselves to slavery to preach the gospel and they won one soul. This is how I believe our Father works. When He gets to heaven, I believe He's got mansions and mansions, magnificent mansions for Him for all eternity. It's not the amount of what you do. It's the faith and the, and the humility and the sacrifice that you pay. If your gift is you, your, your whole life's mission is to win one lost person, it's a homeless person, and you lead them to Jesus, God's going to reward you greatly. Don't compare yourself to this world and, and each other. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your beautiful word. Your word is amazing. It astounds us. It, it, it ignites us. It gives us passion. It makes us fall in love with Jesus. You are so beautiful. You are so wonderful. Open up our eyes to see you, Lord Jesus, high and lifted up, exalted, full of glory, full of splendor, full of majesty. The sun it, it, it doesn't shine compared to you, Lord. You, you shine brighter than the sun that you created. You're beautiful in every way, full of love, full of judgment, full of holiness, full of purity, full of, full of righteousness. And you will judge the earth perfectly, Father. We love you. We thank you for your sending your son on our behalf that we can have an intimate love relationship with Jesus. Lord, we give our lives afresh. We give our lives to you again. And we look forward to what's ahead. We're excited about what's ahead. We forget the past. We're excited about what you have in front of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand to our feet? And it's such a beautiful message to be hearing at the beginning of a new season. I think it's a really important message. Whether we talk about the, the suffering and the end of the age to come, or the fact that we have a daily suffering, like what Dad was talking about, like suffering is to deny our will to make platform for His will in our everyday life. That's in every thing, but it's the highest honor to be able to serve Him and deny ourselves because He denied Himself so that we could be one. And um, and I also just want to echo what Dad was saying about not slowing down. For those of you who are older or older, younger, that, that different word, but um, maybe you're getting on in your years and you feel like, you know, I got to make room for young people. I just want to say as a, a self um professed young person that we need young people need to see a generational faith like we need to see others lasting it and running the race and and going for it and and finishing their day still confessing the name of Jesus like for too long we've seen people um, run a race and short uh, uh, stop short of that finish line and and I believe there's a Personally, I think there's like a pandemic 
in my generation where we go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. There's a lack of commitment and um, we need to see that example where we see people running a race and holding fast to something. And I want to be the change in my generation, but I challenge each of us, wherever we find ourselves um, in generations, God has called us to be people of faith, generational faith. Um, so just do that and hold to it. I also want to invite you to bow your heads in this moment because we don't want to move forward or have a single service where we don't extend the opportunity for you to give your life to Jesus. I look around and I see a lot of family, uh, but I just we just want to make space for the, any, he, any here that are hearing this message and just there's something resonating in your heart that you want to recommit your life to Jesus or maybe for the first time you want to give your life to Jesus. You know, when you have junk food, when you eat junk food, there's like a short-term gratification, but a long-term consequence. And in the same way, this world is filled with things that promise you gratification, but it's a short-term gratification with a long-term consequence. But Jesus provides an answer, and Jesus provides you with a life that you were designed to live. It actually is your best life. It's your best life that comes with suffering, that comes with um, obedience, that comes with uh, discipline. But it's your best life, the life that you were designed to live. It's a life where you honor Jesus and you follow Him into all that you were created to be. So if this morning you want to respond, I just want to invite you to raise your hand in this moment to say that I want to recommit my life or I want to give my life to Jesus and I want to call Him Lord and Savior this morning. So if there's anyone in this room, please just raise your hands. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. All right. Well, Lord, we just in this room together, we just want to confess and proclaim that you are Lord. You are God above it all, that in you all things hold together, that our righteousness is found in you and you alone. And we come to you fully righteous and found in your presence, God. We thank you for that miracle, the miracle of salvation. And this morning, everything that we are, we praise the Lord. Everything we are, we honor you. And God, we pray that we, as your family, as your body, as your church, would remain faithful through every season. Father, I pray that you would seal the word in the hearts of people here this morning, that we would be bold as lions to declare the glory of our God and the gospel to the ends of the earth, no matter what it would look like, no matter what we would lay down, God, we just honor you and we declare your goodness in Jesus' name. And everybody said... ggclife.com or email us ggclife at ggclife.com from our house to yours be blessed